You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. This week we begin a new sermon series all about the relationships that matter most in our lives. Join us as Pastor Rick kicks off relationship status. So here's one of the problems we have in our world today is we don't really understand the dynamics of fire. Okay, now, okay, yeah, I know you know about fire. If I were to ask 10 questions about fire, most of us could all answer most of those questions right now, okay? So it's, it's not that we don't know, but it's like we can't, we can't just stick with it, you know? Even though we know this is right or that's wrong, we still just, it's kind of, you can't leave fire alone, can you? I mean, you know, somebody builds a fire down by the creek bank, and what do you do? You got to play with it, right? You got to get in it. You got to do something. You got to, you just can't leave it alone. You know, that's, that's what I mean, is even though we know there are certain things we should and certain things we shouldn't do, it's like we just, we just can't help ourselves, right? Okay, so here's the first point this morning, and the big main point for the whole sermon is sex is like fire, okay? And yeah, I told you PG-13, okay, and I'm not going to be real graphic here, but I'm just going to tell, tell you what the Bible says about it. But sex is like fire, okay? Just think about fire. In a fireplace, fire is good. Fire is awesome. Think about a fire in a fireplace. Anybody had a fire in your fireplace this winter? Anybody? Anybody? Is that not awesome? Isn't that a joy? I meant maybe it was when the snow was coming down, right? And you're sitting there, and it's just the feeling the warmth off of it, that amber, you know, light just kind of flickering around the room. Even if you've got the lights on, it just adds a little ambiance there or something. You, you know, it just kind of heightens the joy, the, you know, the companionship of the people that are in the room. You know, uh, if you were to write a movie and you needed to include a scene that, that just somehow displayed peace and contentment, you couldn't go wrong with having a fireplace, right? I mean, because it's, it is that. It's all that. It's just awesome to just sit there and just almost get lost in the fire. You know, you can just look at it for hours and hours if you're not careful, right? So fire is good in the fireplace, but you don't want fire out of the fireplace, do you? You know? And, and we know we really should get, but, you know, wouldn't it be horrible, you know, if, if uh, somebody said, ah, just run over and grab one of the logs that's burning and run around the house a little bit and say, yeah, I can do this. I can do, you know, you don't want fire out of the fireplace. That's why we say sex is like fire. When it's in the right context, it is amazing. It is an awesome thing that God has given to us. It is a blessing it, it is, it is, and we'll talk about some of that here in just a few moments. It is all of those things, but when it gets out of the fireplace, what happens? Same thing that happens with fire. It burns. It burns. It just, you know, you, you may have, you can have all kinds of things happen in your house. I mean, you could have a, a, a kitchen cabinet fall off the wall. You know, you could, you could have a, a water pipe under your sink burst and water just kind of go everywhere and you got to clean all that up. You know, you, you could have something short out, you know, and you got to rewire the place. But there is nothing probably more destructive than if the fire got out of the fireplace. Burns the house down. Destroys, uh, you know, all of, the, all of the stuff. If you've ever had a fire, you know this. That all, all, the, all the stuff, the mementos and the stuff that you've gathered over the years, pictures and things, all those memories, gone due to the fire. Future, you know, the hope of maybe what you were going to do. Or one day I'm going to sit right here and I'm going to tell my grandkids about how we sat here and we told stories around the fireplace, but it's gone now. Future plans, all of that's gone. 
And fire has the potential to destroy lives. That's why we say sex is like fire. Because in the fireplace, it is an awesome thing. In the fireplace, it is something that brings, it is something that blesses, it is something that, that, that make, makes, uh, makes relationships better. But outside of the fireplace, it's destructive. It destroys. It destroys yesterdays. It destroys tomorrows. It destroys lives. So what are we going to do with this? You see, because the world's plan, and you know what? I almost laughed. It was like late last night or maybe early this morning. I think it was early this morning. I almost laughed when I said that. The world's plan for sex. The world's plan for sex. Here's the problem is the world really doesn't have a plan for sex. You know? The world doesn't really even have a plan for sex. I, I mean, because really, there is no plan. There are no parameters. There are no guidelines. There are no rules. I mean, when, when I grew up, there were, it seems like there were some rules. There were some parameters. There were some, you know, this is the way, this is the plan. And, and a lot of that is gone. I can only think of maybe two kind of rules these days that I have to do because everything else is like whatever, whenever, however, and whoever, and whatever, you know, just completely over. Anything you want, you know, there, there are no parameters anymore. So I was almost laughing at myself to say, the world's plan for sex, they don't have one. They don't have a plan for sex. But this is what I wrote before that hit me this morning, is the world's plan for sex has created a culture of heartbreak, the objectification of women, the sexualization of our youth, broken marriages, pain, and regret. That sounds like the world's house is on fire. And fire is destroying everything in its path. That's the world's plan. And so what we really need to do is we need to ask the question, is our sexuality igniting in the wrong places? And you know what? I think if we're talking about them, we're talking about our culture, our society, the world, I, I think we're like, well, well, duh, yeah. I mean, there's not even the question, is there? But that's not really where the question needs to be asked. The question needs to be asked right here, right now, right here. Is our sexuality igniting in the wrong places? Because that's the real question, isn't it? That's what we really need to be asking is, is yeah, it's a great thing if it's in the, the proper context, the fireplace, but is our sexuality being ignited in other places that it shouldn't be? So where, where if the world doesn't have a plan, and if the world's plan for sex is, is just destroying and tearing up and, and objectify, objectifying and sexualizing, if that's the world, then where do we find a plan? I think I got an idea. Why don't we go to the one who created marriage and sex and romance and all of that? Why don't we go to the one who created, and not just marriage, he didn't just create you and your spouse or you and your, you know, significant other. He created you. <laughs> he created you, and, and he knows how you're wired. He knows what you like, and he knows, he knows the things that make you angry and all that. But you know what? He doesn't just know how you're wired. He wired you. You are wired by God. And so, so if we want to look for a plan, let's look to the one who wired you because he knows exactly he knows all that stuff, you know, and, and, and all of us are wired just a little bit differently. I mean, there's a big overall plan, but then all of us are wired just a little bit differently. You know, some of them, some of you, your fire burns a little hotter than others, and I'm not going to get real graphic there, okay? But you need, you need to read between the lines here, okay, so I don't have to get too graphic. But we're all a little different, right? And so we have to, we have to pursue God for that just a little bit, but there is an overall plan. 
So let's look at it. Okay, we're going to start easy right here, okay? We're going to Song of Solomon. Don't get scared just yet, all right? Song of Solomon chapter 1, verse 2. Kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. Okay, good. That one wasn't too bad, was it? We're just talking about kissing right now, so we're good, right? Don't, don't get worried. We're not, we're not, like I said, we're not going real deep here. But you're gonna, that means you're going to have to add two and two together, okay? All right? But kiss me, kiss me. So, so here's the point, that the very first point I want to make to you, is that romance is to be enjoyed according to the Word of God. Okay? It's not a bad thing. Romance is a good thing. You know, kiss your wife, kiss your husband. That's a good thing, okay? You know, and if you hadn't done it today, then do it, okay? We, I got a sign over my bed reminds me every night, you know, right before I go to bed, reminds me to kiss her, you know? Kiss, kiss her good night every night, you know? It's a good thing, okay? Relating right to that is Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Now, the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, they were both naked, <gasps> but they felt no shame. Okay. Like, uh, the point is, proper sexuality is not shameful. Okay, here, here, let, let's talk about this just a quick moment. They were naked and not ashamed. You ever had that dream? You ever had that dream that you showed up somewhere and you weren't properly clothed? You know? You ever had, you ever, you ever had that? If you've ever had that dream and you know the feeling that you had, that's what we're talking about, right? Shame. They didn't have that. And they weren't dreaming. They were walking around without it, and they did not have any shame. Proper sexuality should have no shame. Say it this way, using our little, you know, little example that we're using in the sermon today. Sex, in the context, in the fireplace, there is no shame. There, isn't, there, is, there is no reason. There is no worry when the fire is in the fireplace. There's no problem when the fire is in the fireplace. It's when it gets out of the fireplace. That's when things happen that, that are going to destroy your life, that is going to bring out all these emotions and we're going to be doing all these other things. But sex that is there, that is in the context, it's in the fireplace, it's in the place that it's supposed to be, it's not shameful. It's what it is supposed to be. Okay, so let's dig a little deeper if we can, right? This is in 1 Corinthians, and this is, uh, I think, right? Next, next slide. Yes, yes. Okay, First uh, Corinthians, and this is, this is Paul writing, and sometimes Paul, he says, you know, God, God told me to write these things to you, and sometimes God says, Paul says, God gave me the permission to write this to you. He didn't tell me I had to. Okay, but this is one of those times that it, it appears that God told him, this is what you write, Paul. And he said, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm just believing that there are some of you sitting here right now that say, whoa, I never knew the Bible talked about that. You probably didn't. There's probably a lot of it. You know what I'd love? I'd love if, and I, I believe everyone in here, almost everyone, is going to find something. They say, I never knew the Bible said that about that. I'd love for you to text me and tell me right when you hit. I would love to know that that's, that's the thing that you didn't know. Okay, but then some of you are probably saying, man, I never, but you got to hold, hold with me here, okay? This is really important. I'm not throwing this at you because because I want to this morning. I said, this is important. you got to get this. you got to understand this because it's about the fireplace. You see, because here's the thing. Here, here's what God is saying. Spouses are to fulfill one another. Spouses are to fulfill one another. We're supposed to be fulfilled. So this is God's plan for sexuality in his fireplace. When, when, the fire, when it's in the fireplace, what God has done is God has created a place, a right context a right place for sexuality to burn as hot and as passionate as it needs to without having to get out of the fireplace. Now, if you didn't get that, i gotta go, I, I got to be a little more uh, direct. 
So, so let me say it this way. Is that what God has done is God is saying spouses should fulfill each other's needs so that those needs do not have to be sought for outside of the fireplace. Okay, you got it now? <laughs> you understand it? And, and can, I, can I tell you that this is not a suggestion? This is not a suggestion. Do not. Now, I don't, I don't know what do not means in your life, but when I was growing up, when my, when my dad said do not, it was not a suggestion. And if I took it as a suggestion, there was probably going to be some price to pay down the road somewhere, okay? Do not means do not, okay? There's nothing to read in there. There's, there's nothing to twist. Do not. It is not a suggestion. God is telling us do not do this so that this thing, it can, it can be protected. It can be in its rightful place in these things, okay? Uh, which leads us really good to the very next, uh, next scripture, and this is in Proverbs chapter 5. Here's the fireplace, okay? We're, we're going to really describe the fireplace right now. It's monogamy. Y'all know what that means? That means one person. Mm, not per weekend. Not one person this year. One person per life. What? Are you crazy? Pa Pastor, are you crazy? Is that really? Yes. Yes. Y'all yeah, have heard of people being married 40, 50, even 60 years, right? Y'all have heard of that, right? It's not a foreign concept to you, right? You know how that happens? It happens in the context of the fireplace, of the monogamy. And here he describes it, Proverbs chapter 5. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Whose wife? For who? Your wife for you. Let your wife for you, okay? Do you, you, you get that yet? Let your wife for you. Not somebody else's wife or for somebody else, but your wife for you. Uh, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Coming back to that in just a minute, okay? Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Yeah, you might want to use that sometime in a Valentine card or something, right? Uh, let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Okay, let's talk about this monogamy thing then here. What is God saying to us? God is saying, let your wife... Come on, celebrate, rejoice, enjoy your wife. And, and listen, this is not just a gender-specific thing, okay? All right? This also talks about, you know, ladies, your husband. And what the husband, the wife of your youth. Okay, now who is he talking to? He's not talking. You don't have to tell a 22-year-old who just got married, hey, you need to be romantic with your wife and enjoy her and your relationship. You don't have to tell a 22-year-old that. He's not talking to 22-year-olds. Who's he talking to? He's talking to people that have been married a while, and what he's saying is you be satisfied and enjoy and rejoice and celebrate and, and have romantic relations with the wife of your youth. This is something that's written to us guys. That's been, he's saying here's the context. It's the fire, here's the fireplace. It's right here, the wife of your youth. That's, that's, you know, that's the fireplace for you is your wife, the wife of your youth, because he goes on there and says twice. He says always always. He says, always the wife of your youth. So what God is saying here is he's saying, here's the fireplace, monogamy, one person for the rest of your life. You've got to be crazy. I know that's what some people are thinking. And you walk out of here and you go tell some of your friends that that's what your pastor says, the Bible says, and they're going to say, you've got to be crazy. One person for the rest of my life. Well, okay, but you got to understand 
What I'm talking about here today is I'm talking about, I'm talking about having a relationship that doesn't get out of the fireplace so it doesn't destroy, it doesn't wipe out, it doesn't kill, it doesn't harm, it doesn't erase all the good that has ever been built. And it is about a future, it is about amazing, it is about wonderful. That doesn't happen when it gets out of the fireplace. And here's the fireplace, monogamy. But if that blows you away, let me take you a little bit further then. Because this is Old Testament, and in the New Testament, Jesus raised the bar even higher. Because he said... It's got to even be mental monogamy. You know, Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, Jesus says, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So it's not just about the act. It's even just thinking about it. If you're thinking about it, if you're lusting in that way, then you've already done it in your heart. And I like what Dave Willis said, but uh, I want to paraphrase him a little bit. His quote's actually in the sermon notes today. If you go to the Connect page, church2911.com slash connect, go to the sermon notes, you can see his quote. I, w- I want to paraphrase it just a little bit here, okay? So here's, here's the thing. Let me set it up before I, I paraphrase this quote there. Is if you want the dream, if you want the amazing, and I mean, I mean the amazing future, but I mean even the amazing, this three-letter word that we've been talking about, Okay? And I'm trying to just deal with some of you being a little too sensitive here today, okay? So didn't use that word again by the time. But even if you want amazing there, if you want amazing in your fire, then it's got to be in the fireplace. You can't let it out. You can't just run around. It's, it's got to be in the fireplace. And where's the fireplace? The fireplace is this. And, and, and if you want that, and if you want that to happen in your life and in your future and in your amazing marriage, you want all that to be everything and you want it to be what it can be, then... As Dave Willis kind of says, the sex in your head is just as important as the sex in your bed. That is good. I didn't say it though, Dave Willis did. I just changed it a little bit. He said it a little, he, he said it maybe a, a, a little less streetwise, but I just thought it just, it rhymes. It just, it just fits better, right? I just made it rhyme. It, but the sex in your head is just as important as the sex in your bed, if you're wanting the amazing. Because it's just as bad to, instead of enjoy your fire and your fireplaces, to maybe just like look at somebody else's fireplace and start enjoying that. He said the sex in your head is just as important as the sex in your bed. Jesus raised the standard to mental monogamy. Uh, and I, not too long ago I heard on a TV show and somebody said, everybody fantasizes. And I have one of those moments like my mom used to have when somebody would utter a four-letter word or something and she would just literally suck all the air out of the room when she went, oh, you know. <laughs> and we said, everybody fantasizes. You know what I want to do? I want to jump up. Nope, we don't. No, except over our own fireplace. That's the only, the only sex in the head has got to be the only sex that can be in your bed as well. It can only be mental monogamy. And that's Jesus. I didn't write that. Paul didn't even write that. That's the son of God who said, if you just look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her. In your, and again, that's not gender specific, okay? If you look at a man, if you ladies look at a man to lust after him, you've already committed in, in your heart as well. So what, so what do we do? See, because sex, sexual sin, is 
different than other sins. Is that my next? There you go. You're already there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 18. This is back to Paul's writings. He says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does for sexual immorality is sin against your own body. He, he's not saying, and if you've been here long enough, you've heard me say there aren't any worse sins and little sins. All sin is sin. I mean, you're missing the mark. You're just not doing it, so it's all sin. But he's saying sex, sexual sins are different. Why? Because it, like, if you go back to the Old Testament, like the Ten Commandments, and you can break them down into two sets, of two sets of sin kind of really there's a sin against God and there's a sin against others and Jesus tells us later he says he says all the law all the prophet hang on these two these two principles these two commandments love the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul body strength everything you got and love your neighbor just like you love yourself and so all those ten commandments they basically relate to that and he said all the law does all the prophets do everything that's been written everything that God has given us hang on those two things but then here Paul says, but this sexual sin, what is so different about it is that when you commit sexual sin, you are sinning against God. You are sinning against the people that are involved or the people that are related to those who are involved, and you're sinning against yourself. There is no sin that is more comprehensive than sexual sin, is what Paul is saying. Because sex is like fire. You know what fire does? I, I kind of said this in the, in the first, said a little bit in the first service, and so Jimmy, Jimmy just corrected me because I said, you know, does, 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 fire, does fire choose and pick and click? I don't think it does, and so Jimmy just made sure I understood. Jimmy's kind of our, our, our resident authority on fire, I guess, you know, as the fireman, the safety, safety team and all that kind of stuff, and, and he, he just wanted to make sure that I got it. He said, he said let me tell you two things. One is, is fire destroys everything. Fire destroys. It doesn't go down the hallway and say, ah, I think I'll leave that bedroom untouched and go down and hit another one. Fire doesn't do that. Fire destroys everything. That's what Paul is saying about sexual sin. It's like a fire. It does not pick and choose. It destroys everything in its path. And that's why it's so different. And here's another reason. Why we back up the first three verses right before this verse 18. Here's the other reason it's different. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ. Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? <gasps> How in the world can we put Christ and prostitute in the same sentence, right? I mean, oh my goodness, how can we even think something like that? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, no, 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 wait a minute, Pastor. Now, if that happens or somebody, that's, that's just something I did for a few moments. That's just an act. That's just something I did for a few moments. Oh, no, no. Not according to this. And, and it says, for the Scripture says. You know, and Paul says, this isn't what I said. And, and, and he says, uh, the Scripture says, the two, are the two are united into one. Okay, now what, what Scripture is he talking about? Okay, it's not, it's not a Scripture that's mentioned once in the Bible. I think this is a Scripture that's mentioned more than any in the Bible. It's repeated over and over. I don't mean, I don't mean repeated by us. I mean repeated by God over and over in His Word. And you've probably heard it. Because you've probably heard it at a, at a wedding, or you've definitely probably heard, if you've been in church very long, you've probably heard this. And if you haven't, you've probably heard it in a song or something. That a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And sometimes we don't really understand what that means. And so Paul is making sure we get it right here. He said, this is what this means, is you're part of Christ. Yet if you go and connect yourself with a prostitute, it is not a momentary thing that you just did for a few moments, and it doesn't have to be somebody you paid, okay? You just 
get the fire out of the fireplace and it's not in the right context, it's not where it's supposed to be, then you have just connected your body, you've just connected the body of Christ, you've just connected it with someone else in this way. That sex is not a momentary act, it is a sacred it is a deeply emotional uh, union that takes place. This is not just, you know, this, this phrase, and, uh, you know, don't want to offend anybody, but this phrase of hooking up, it's like it's a momentary thing. No, 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 that's not what this is. It, it is deeply emotional. That's why when it's out of the fireplace, it destroys so much because it is so powerful, and when it's outside of the place that it's supposed to be, just like fire, it is going to destroy stuff that it's not supposed to be touching in the first place. It's destructive. It destroys because it is so powerful. And, it's going to, and, I, and I know this, this, this may seem so, so contradictory to you because you say, no, I, maybe you may even say, you may even be saying in your own heart that, no, it, I've done that before, and it was, just, it was just a moment. But you know what it's easy to do? It is so easy to do things or do the wrong things or, or get so familiar with something that it loses its meaning. You know, have you, ever, have you ever said a word and you thought, that doesn't sound right. I don't, did I pronounce that right? Or maybe did you ever try to write a word down and, and you look say, and you ask somebody, how do you spell so-and-so because this doesn't look right? Why? Because you become so familiar with that word. It's almost like, well, wait a minute, I'm a little confused here. And it confuses us. We can get so familiar with something. Like we, can, we, we, we can get so familiar with the fire outside of the fireplace that we forget how powerful that fire is, that there's so much destruction now that we forget how powerful it was and how much destruction really is happening. That, that, we, that we refuse to actually look at what it really is, look at what is really happening, and we want to just call it. But sex is not a moment. Sex is not a momentary action. It is, not, it is a deeply emotional, a sacred union that happens. And when that happens, if we're not careful, what we're doing is we're connecting with something that we shouldn't be connecting with. It's not a moment. This is going to sound like a little bit of change gear, but I don't want to change gears. Here's, here's what I want to do, though, is I want to take this out of just this one little thing, sex, and I want to relate this to the rest of your life. Because anything outside of the context of what it was designed for can be destructive to your life. And so your life may be running in the wrong direction because of other things, other places, other areas where you're not following the plan of this is how it can be awesome. You see, it, it's, it's crazy how some people today, they, they, take, they take these moments in their life and they try to make them into these big, awesome, beautiful things. You know, and like, like snapshots, you know, it's like we take little snapshots and we say, oh, look at my relationship. That's not your relationship. You know, I, I, I've got social media friends. They, they go out on a date with somebody three or four times and, man, they're already changing their relationship status, Right? Changing their profile picture. Come on. You know who I'm talking about. You got some of them, don't you? You're not one of them, are you? You know, you know that, and, and, and talking about, oh, how, how amazing this, this new significant other guy or girl is in my life and extolling their godly virtues and how, oh, I thank God so much for sending me this awesome man or woman of God. You know, come on. You've seen that stuff, right? You know, and, and as soon as it shows up, it's, it's like it goes away that quick too. You know, you know Why? Because a relationship is not a snapshot. These relationships are more than a snapshot. They're a moment of your life. They're importantly integral parts of your life. Let, 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 me, let me just say this to you, okay? If you've been out on three or four dates, 
The only future plans you should be talking about is which restaurant to go to this weekend, okay? That's, that, you know, if you've only been out on three or four dates, because that is not a relationship. That's a friendship. And the problem is a lot of times we want to take those way too far and we get out of the fireplace. And then destruction happens and pain happens. Sorrow, scars are left and memories are erased, futures are destroyed and lives are left in the wake. Would you like to hear a story over 40 years in the making? Would you like to hear that kind of story? Oh, there, is that it right there? This is uh, mine and Deva's uh, Share the Dream poster. We haven't posted it yet, okay? The reason is because we can't get everything on there. Been trying to figure out how to get everything on there, you know? And uh, so we haven't posted it yet. We got it ready. We we're going to post it yet. Probably would have posted it last night, but David needed to fix her hair. She wouldn't let me take a picture of her, so. <laughs> She's not here right now, and she won't know I said that if somebody doesn't go to spill the beans, all right? Uh, but I think, you know, and when we post this, I'm thinking that doesn't tell the whole picture. You see, that's the whole point. We just let the fire out of the fireplace. Just a moment, we think it's no big deal. Yes, it's a big deal. Every moment, everything is a big deal. You got to protect this. You got to keep everything in the context. All of the, everything on that, that slide right now, every bit of that is up for grabs. Every bit of that is in danger if I don't keep things in the context of where they're supposed to be. And I'm talking about more than just the big three-letter word we've been talking. I'm talking about all of it. So yeah, I mean, I, I look back and, you know what, Dave and I, we probably had over 200 dates before we even got married. We dated for a while. We were actually childhood sweethearts back to eight years old, you know. So that's why I said this, this story's been over 40 years in the making. We lived in... I counted up 14 houses. Now, if you ask David, it's going to be more, okay? But it's kind of like that Alabama National Championship thing. You know, how many you count is based on which side of the argument you were on, right? Well, I, I'm, I'm preaching right now, and so I'm on this side of the argument. We have 14 houses that we've lived in. In four different states, Arkansas, Texas, Illinois, home state of Alabama, you know? And some, and some awesome things have happened there. We've, I, I don't even know. I started trying to think, how would I count the friends that we've had and, and all the joyful experiences that we have with those friends? And you know what? Some of those friends have hurt me since then. But you know what? I, I don't think about that. I think of the joy and the, uh, the things that we did that were fun, you know. And we've had some hilarious, embarrassing, funny things that have happened to us. And a lot of them will never be shared because I want to remain married, you know, a little bit longer than I have been so far. I counted six dogs, you know, uh, and some of them didn't stay very long. I think we have one that stayed two nights, and he found a way over the fence, and he was done. I didn't count him in the six. We had six dogs. Then we had, we had two kids. Now, in case you're thinking, well, he listed the dogs for the kids. No, listen, I'm going somewhere, okay? I didn't list the dogs for the kids. Had two kids. We've added four more kids. If you don't get that, you'll just ask me later. And then we've had, we have four grandchildren and still counting. Okay, I need some help right here. I need you to say that with me again. And I need you to say that with me prophetically, if you will, with your pastor. Four grandkids and still counting. Would you say that with me? Four grandkids and still counting. Thank you. God, you heard that prophetically, right? Amen. I believe in it. I believe in it. Looking forward to more grandkids. You know what I'm telling you? I'm not telling you that we have the perfect life. 
No, because I, I forgot to mention the number of arguments. You'll have to just look for my uh, media post, okay, about the number of arguments we've had, all right? You'll just have to look for that one later. It's not been a perfect marriage, but when I look at that, you know what I have to say? I have to say what's written on there. We are so stinking blessed. Not because it's perfect. Not because there haven't been arguments. Not because there have Hey, David could tell you she's got a couple of gray hairs she has to touch up every once in a while. Those two. And she earned both those gray hairs. I got a lot of extra, you know, square inch of skin up here. And I earned every bit of it. It hasn't necessarily been easy. It hasn't been perfect. It hasn't been exactly what I wanted all the time. But when I just look at the pictures up there. And then I start thinking about all that. So all I can tell you is David and I are stinking blessed by what God has put in our life. But here's, here's where the rubber really meets the road. If you want that, you got to follow the plan. you got to keep things in the fireplace that belong in the fireplace. And I'm not just talking about that one word. I mean everything. Everything in your life, because whatever the future is, depends on following the plan. Depends on following the plan. You can't just do what you want to do and end up where you want to be. You have to follow the plan. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and pastoral staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer requests by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you, and as always, we dare you to dream.